Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It is the start of a new week, and we are glad to be with you. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for joining us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, it's the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. You know that, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Again, 601 601- Eight seven nine four three nine five. Want to get? <laughs> hey, Dad. We uh, we're just going to lose him forever, and that's okay. We don't have his video up. We lost him here, and that's fine. But if you want to be a part of the show, you can on the text line six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. Something is rotten in the state of Oxford. What's going on here today? Uh, apparently so. So we'll uh, we'll get that figured out uh, eventually. But as you know, depending on how long it takes me to get this connection back, in 30 seconds or less, what is your assessment of the weekend? I can't uh, to hear you over my teeth chattering and the sound of dogs barking from the Georgia fans. I have no, I have no recollection of anything. My brain is still scrambled. That's the coldest I've ever been at a football game in my life. The barking. I got my first Georgia fan experience in an airport, and oh god! <laughs> so I was a college student, and I no, it wasn't an airport. It was a gas station. I'm driving home from college. That's not better. It's not better. That's worse. I'm driving home from college, and and I've got got a shirt on. And a Georgia fan at the other pump looks at me and says, Hey, go dogs! Wait, what? Did did you you grow up? Did you just bark at me? And I said that. I was like, What shirt were you wearing? An old Miss shirt. Just just an old Miss banner shirt. That's all. And, And I was in college, and so I was driving home that spring... Or after the spring semester, and that was after the so that was the spring of 2012, and Ole Miss played Georgia that fall. So I guess that's where yeah. that came from. But a grown uh, man at a gas station mm-hmm. barked at me because of the shirt I had on at the end of May. Go so, dog, sick him. 
<laughs> heard a lot the of first that. Time I, yeah, the first time I really heard that, I was like, what are we doing? Did you guys do the quick 30 seconds on football from each of you? Yeah, or do, uh, you were, oh, not me. Hey, that said his we teeth did. were chattering, and uh, what would you say? My ears are still ringing from, from barking. All I heard was barking all night. Yeah, um, th- this is not why the outcomes of the games in this state were what they were. However, when you loop in LSU-Arkansas as well, there's no way the SEC can continue to ignore their uh, officiating problem. Can't ignore it anymore. Ooh. Can't do it. You, you've got to do says, something. Welcome to the club, boys. Welcome to can't, the club. Can't do it anymore. I've been hosting this party for decades. Welcome in. We got punch and pie. When a intentional grounding flag gets waved off, when Stetson Bennett threw the football from the exact spot he took the snap, you've got a problem. Yeah, he sure did. Right. He did do that. Because of technical difficulties, we are late. Let's blitz! Starting on Friday night, wild game in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bearcats win at 27-25 over East Carolina to stay in contention for a berth in the American Conference Championship game. Also on Friday night, a little bit of sputtering out of the gate. At the end of one quarter, Colorado 3, Southern Cal 2. It got better for the Trojans. They won it 55-17. to Early games on Saturday. Let's start in Baltimore. Number 20, Notre Dame. Got all they wanted from the Naval Academy. The Mids outscored Notre Dame 19 to nothing in the second half, and yet they came up short. Notre Dame wins it 35-32 to get to 7-3 on the year. A week after winning in Fayetteville and dealing a devastating loss to the Arkansas Razorbacks, Liberty had to go on the road once again, this time to Hartford, Connecticut. UConn, 36. Liberty, 33. UConn is bowl eligible. Wow. Jim Mora, Jr. Bowl games? Great coaching job on his part. Bowl games? You know, there's some some chatter over the last couple hours about Auburn and Hugh Freeze. I hope they're prepared for that right there. They're going to go to Baton Rouge and beat LSU and a week later lose to UAB at home. That is the Hugh Freeze experience. You guys remember the saying about an alligator mouth writing checks that a hummingbird bleep can't cash? I have heard that saying. May I point you to Eli Drinkwitz in the Jim Rome show this summer when he was talking about his overall record, and he said, well, I'm going to get one of those back because we know Tennessee's going to have to vacate some wins. Josh Heupel, long memory. There are people that thought it was unsportsmanlike that Tennessee was still airing it out with two minutes to play. Josh Heupel said, vacate that, drink, 66-24 in Knoxville. I'll tell you what, when you have a five touchdown lead with it inside of two minutes to go in the game, don't run your best wide receiver back on the field. That's reckless. Yeah, that's reckless. reckless. He's making a point, though. West Virginia 23 20 over Oklahoma. West Virginia 4 oh. and 6. Oklahoma 5 and 5. Ugh, gross. Ohio State 56 14 over Indiana. CJ Stroud, workman like 17 of 28, 297 yards, and five touchdown passes. 
Illinois. It's a good day at the ballpark. Uh, it's a good day at the ballpark when you're a 40 point favorite and cover. Yeah. I think Ryan Day Which knows what were. the line is. Couple of injuries in there, though, for Ohio State. They're offensively kind of dropping like flies right now. Luckily, Marvin Harrison Jr. is unbelievable. Yeah, he is, is quite good. Quite good. Best running back on that team, though, goes down to injury yeah. in the game. Tough, tough loss. Purdue 31 24 over Illinois. Illinois going the wrong direction after a hot start to the regular season. They are now second in the West. Still got a chance, but we'll see how it plays out. How about the Duke Blue Devils? I understand that Virginia Tech is terrible. Mike Elko has Duke 7-3 and three and second in the Coastal Division. Problem is, they're probably not going to catch North Carolina 24-7 the final. A 26-game conference winning streak. Nope, check that. A 26-game conference losing streak comes to an end as Vanderbilt goes into frigid Lexington, Kentucky, and wins 24-21. Four wins on the season for Vanderbilt. He had the season total. It's just icing on the cake right now. I just... The number one pick in the draft, huh? Will Levis. Not so much. Maybe not so much. Maybe the Uh, number one pick of the fifth round, Will Levis. Oh, you don't think he goes that far? He doesn't drop that far? Oh, I don't. I don't know. But that was that was just painful. You know, he's not good. He's not good. (laughs) Which is just just say it. Just come out and say it. Why don't you? Groundskeepers have a difficult job. But it doesn't always mean that groundskeepers make great decisions. Like when it's 28 degrees outside and you're trying to rid the field of snow and ice and the rid the field method you choose is spray water on the field. Hmm. Somebody missed a day in science class. A frozen mess in Fayetteville. It finally burned off when the sun came out. Low scoring game. LSU 13, Arkansas 10. LSU is your Western Division champion. They are headed to Atlanta in year one of the Brian Kelly era. And all this after losing that season opener to Florida State. Who would have believed that after Labor Day weekend? Michigan rolls on. They are 10 and 0. They win 34 to 3 at home in the snow over Nebraska. Did you guys watch any of that game? Because it looked Great on television. Turned it on just to see the visuals. When the snow falls in the Midwest during a football game, I think we all win. And uh, Michigan keeps winning. And I think there's a pretty good case to be made for Michigan as the best team in the Big Ten. Remember when Iowa couldn't score at all and they were dead? Iowa's now bowl eligible. They win 24-10 over Wisconsin. They are 6-4 on the season. Certainly could get to seven, might get to eight wins when it's all said and done. And then what do we do with Kirk Ferentz? We will pick up the blitz and continue as there is plenty more to get to after a short timeout. Just getting started with you on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit PearlRiverResort.com.
Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. So much to get to. We will continue the Blitz right now as we start this Monday edition of Sports Talk Mississippi. Kind of made it into the evening slate of games. Oklahoma State snapped a three-game losing skid with a 20-14 home win over Iowa State. They are now 7-3 and three on the year. Clemson hosted Louisville. There were a lot of people that thought because of the way that um, Malik Cunningham had been playing, and because of the paper tiger that some think Clemson has been, that there was uh, an upset brewing in Death Valley. Quite the opposite. Clemson 31, Louisville 16. Clemson has now won 39 straight at home. That is the most in college football. In fairness, Cunningham did get knocked out in the first quarter. Probably made a also, difference. Shout out to Clemson's uh, marketing department for their tweet, which, re- which uh, relied on birds aren't real. Yeah. Birds aren't real. They're Thank not. In the Big Ten, Penn State and Maryland. You remember that uh, Bruce Marshall told us on Friday afternoon, this was one that we should watch, said that James Franklin still with an axe to grind over the way his tenure ended at Maryland. Penn State 30, Maryland nothing. Penn State now 8-2 and two on the year. Northwestern remains winless in the United States of America, Minnesota is now in first place in the Big Ten West. 31-3, Gophers over Wildcats. If a Gopher and a Wildcat fought in real life, who would you give the edge to? The, the Wildcat. The Wildcat's going to win that pretty easily. Fun one in New Orleans. UCF and Tulane. First place in the American on the line, and it was UCF winning 38-31 over the Tulane Green Wave. John Rice Plumley, 17 of 30 through the air, only 132 yards, had a touchdown, but on the ground, he averaged 9.8 yards per carry. 18 rushes, 176 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground as UCF moves into first place in the American Conference. You did a double-take watching this one. Boston College, touchdown pass with 14 seconds remaining to pick up their third win of the season over number 16, NC State. NC State was 7-2 coming in, 21-20 the final there. Boston College gets the win. Afternoon game in the Swamp. Florida ran for 374 yards and absolutely dominated South Carolina. 38-6, the final. Ugly, ugly loss for Shane Beamer. Fans are not happy. Yeah, that was not a good one. There have been some high moments this year for South Carolina on a roster that's not there yet. As you've told us a number of times, Michael Borky, this was not one of the high moments. Not a high moment for Oregon either. At home, hosting their rival, the Washington Huskies, And it was number 25, Washington, with a 37-34 win over Oregon, effectively ending the Ducks' playoff hopes. Washington outscored Oregon 10-3 in the final quarter of the game. Peyton Henry with a game-winning field goal from 43 yards. The funniest fake injury of all time in that game, by the way. Oh, yeah? 
Oregon had no timeouts. They had the ball with just a few seconds left. They got a first down but didn't want to spike it, so the receiver just looks around and just hops on his butt and holds his leg up because he's got a cramp and he got them a free timeout. The most blatant one you've ever seen. And yet it still didn't work. Texas Tech at home in Lubbock facing Kansas. Remember when Kansas was 5-0 and and ranked in the top 25? Well, they have now lost four of their last five. Texas Tech 43, Kansas 28. But the Jayhawks are going bowling. Care. Yeah, <laughs> They are bowl eligible. They, got, they did what they had to do. There's a lot of talk about a big-time atmosphere on the Plains. It looked pretty good on Saturday night. Packed house at Jordan-Hare, and this just in, Texas A&M not very good offensively. Neither is Auburn, but they were good enough. 13 to 10. Carnell Williams, as the interim head coach, has a victory, which is, uh, uh, that's good. That's good for him. It's destroyed my four and eight prediction. prediction. They're they're probably going to go five and seven now. Yeah, they probably are going to go five and seven. Uh, by the way, Texas A&M, first SEC team to officially not be eligible for a bowl this year. Vanderbilt is still bowl eligible. Not Texas A&M, though. Vanderbilt controls its own destiny. Texas A&M needs an APR boost to potentially get into the well, Gasparilla Bowl. And, and if a field goal had decided to doink left instead of straight up, they'd be on the path to 3-9. and nine. You are correct. Uh, officially, Texas not back. TCU 17, Texas 10. Bijan Robinson, many people think he's the best running back in the country against that TCU defense. 12 carries for 29 yards in the game. Max Duggan goes 19-29. Not a lot of offense from either team. That was a defensive battle in Austin, but TCU remains undefeated. They are now 10-0. and Only three points from that Texas offense. I mean, Sark is supposed to be this offensive savant. Well... But he got to prove it at some point. Southern Miss caught a break with Mesa or, uh, with um, Grayson McCall not playing for Coastal Carolina, and yet Coastal Carolina still able to get it done against the Golden Eagles. 26-23, Coastal Carolina over Southern Miss. Trey Lowe played the majority of the game at quarterback for Southern Miss, and at times looked quite good in that game. There's an argument to be made that the most fun game of the weekend happened in winston Salem, North Carolina. North Carolina, with a huge crowd at Wake Forest, wins 36-34 to move to 9-1 and on the season. Is this the week that North Carolina makes a big jump in the college football playoff poll? We will see tomorrow night. Florida State. How, what are they, hey, Dad? A good-bad team or a bad-good team? Or just a good team? I think, I, I think they're actually a decent team. Might just 38 to three over Syracuse in the dome. Florida State now seven and three on the year. That's going to be a fun one for the first time in a while. Florida, Florida State in the yeah. final weekend of the regular season could be a lot of fun. Sometimes things get weird late in Pac-12 country. Jaden Delara accounted for three touchdowns and had his fifth 300-yard passing game of the season. Arizona 34, UCLA 28. Southern Cal is the only hope for the Pac-12 to get into the college football playoff, and that is your blitz. Not so bold prediction. The Pac-12 is going to be left out of the playoff again. Shocking. Again. You think Southern Cal is losing in the Pac-12 championship game? I think so.
Or perhaps to Notre Dame. They might lose this week. Or to UCLA. I mean, you think about what USC's got left. It's UCLA, or is it Notre Dame Dame first, then UCLA, then the Pac-12 championship game. That's a tough stretch. It is a very tough stretch. They'll drop one. Yeah. Yeah. They have played with fire way too much this season to not slip up at some point. But... That's enough of the Pac-12. Yeah, that is uh, that is enough of the Pac-12. What a weekend. It's an, another weekend that delivered on the uh, college football front. I'll just tell you real quickly, we're not going to do any NFL stuff today. I spent more time watching the NFL yesterday than I have at any point all season long. In fact, I watched more NFL yesterday than I had watched cumulatively all season long. Still probably less than an hour yesterday, but I happened to be watching the end of the Buffalo-Minnesota game. Holy cow, what an ending. What an yeah. ending and, the, and it was a game that wouldn't end. Right? Just kept going forever. Looked like Minnesota was going to win it. Then it looked like Buffalo was going to win it. Then it looked like Minnesota was going to win it. Then Buffalo sends it to overtime. Then it looks like Buffalo's going to easily be able to answer. And then Josh Allen throws a bad pick the second of the game. Patrick Peterson made a nice play. Still don't even know who Josh Allen was trying to get that ball to in the end zone uh, for all the good that he had. And, and by the way, like an hour before game time, they still weren't sure Josh Allen was going to play, and he played quite well. He is a beast of a man, gobbled up like 50 yards of real estate on that Buffalo drive in overtime after Minnesota took, what, like 11 minutes off the clock on their drive? And yet he threw the big interception at the end, and Minnesota escaped with a win. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, only one loss this season. You know what's going to happen in the playoffs. You like that? What's going to happen in the playoffs? Well, the Saints won't be in at number one. Number two, they're screwed. He's going to do something to cost the Vikings a playoff game. It's going to happen. Yeah, you're maybe right. But the ride is fun right right now. But, I mean, for all the Kirk Cousins haters out there, he's been good. Very good. He's justifying his existence. Shout out Andy Kennedy. He is that. Absolutely that. Threw for 357 yards and a touchdown yesterday in the win for Minnesota. In overtime over Buffalo. Just a quick snapshot of the NFL. you got the Commanders and the Eagles tonight in Philadelphia. Philly tries to stay perfect on the season. Uh, Bucks beat the Seahawks in Germany. Vikings in overtime. Lions beat the Bears for their third win of the season. Titans over the Broncos. Look out. Here come the Titans. They're now 6-3. and three. Chiefs over the Jags. Dolphins beat the Browns easily. Giants keep rolling. They're 7-2 and two with a win over the Texans yesterday. Steelers over the Saints. Colts and Jeff Saturday get a win over the Raiders. And uh, Derek Carr cried in the postgame interview. Packers in overtime over the Cowboys. Cards beat the Rams. And last night it was the 49ers over the Chargers. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, what, what is the stat I saw? He's either 8-2 and two or 10-2 and two as a starting quarterback when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass. Go figure. Let's get into Ole Miss and Alabama when we come back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. So we've got 
two and a half hours left. We know we're going to get to winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour. We've got to dissect the Ole Miss-Alabama game, and there are a lot of different angles at which we're going to come at that, and probably a lot of angles that you want to go at well. One of those angles, which is already evidenced by the, the ceasefire text line, is officiating, and we'll get into that. I don't... I don't think that's the lead story from the game, but it does factor into the story about the game. Uh, we will dissect Mississippi State and Georgia, and uh, I think there's plenty to get into there as well. Officiating also part of the story in the Mississippi State-Georgia game on Saturday night in Starkville. I don't think, again, it is the lead story, but it absolutely is part of the story. And then there's the thing that everybody that is in and around Ole Miss or is an Ole Miss fan or, frankly, is a Mississippi State fan is talking about, and that is the Auburn job as it pertains to Lane Kiffin. So, hey, Dad, I'm, I'm going to let you decide where should we, we should begin. Should we begin with the Auburn-Lane Kiffin story or the Ole Miss-Alabama uh, postmortem? We should definitely recap the game first. Okay. We will uh, we will get into Ole Miss. You hear that message boards? Auburn. You hear that? Just let it be noted. Hey, Dad, with his red and blue underwear I mean, on today. No, it, it just the I, option was given, and it was chosen. We're going to get to it, and yeah. heck, it'll probably be a, a more than just today that we talk about it. But for today, Monday is for recapping these games. So that's what we're that's when we need to start. All right. So Ole Miss and Alabama. Alabama wins thirty. 24, uh, they kick a field goal late, Ole Miss gets the ball back because, well, I mean, it's not entirely fair to say because they didn't kick a field goal in their first drive, but that would have been three points, and the differential could have been three points very much in field goal range trying to send the game to overtime. Again, a lot of different angles to talk about this one. Let's just start with how the game began. One of the things that, that we talked about on Friday that has been talked about all season long, Ole Miss may be the best script team out of the gate. And they just marched right down the field against Alabama on the opening possession, mix up of balls on the, or of, of running the ball, good, well designed pass plays, quarterback runs. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins with a couple of big runs on that opening drive. It was all there, except for points. So, question number one. Should Ole Miss have kicked a field goal in the opening drive of the ballgame and put points on the board? It's That's an easier question to answer in hindsight, isn't it? Because now you know they didn't get the fourth down. and Although, there are too many people that think if you kick the field goal there, the rest of the game goes the exact same. Like, everything else would have been the exact same and you would have had the ball down three instead of six with a couple minutes left and a chance to go tie. It's not exactly yeah. how that yeah. goes. That's a good point, Borky, because if you kick the field goal there, you're immediately kicking off and you don't know where Alabama is going to begin its next drive and what the field position thing is going to be back and forth because Ole Miss was the first to score and right. you know, it, it, it was a field things. position battle early. It very much could have changed things, but you also failed to put points on the board when three was an option. And probably, you know, you still got to snap it, hold it, and kick it. But Jonathan Cruz has been automatic Yeah, from that range all season long. He's he has one good. missed field goal all season long, and it was a long field goal. Everything else he's made this year. I, the, just 
for some reason, I am completely bought into the the analytical decisions, especially when they probably didn't anticipate to be as good defensively as they were. They they had a, they were great defensively considering who they were playing against. Heisman Trophy winner had 200 passing yards. Gibbs was basically non-effective. I mean, they they were good defensively. Probably didn't expect that. But more importantly, there's a reason Ole Miss fans love Lane Kiffin, right? Because he's different. He's aggressive. That's his brand. Going forward on fourth down is part of the identity of your program. You dance with the girl that brought you, right? Yes, but you also would like the girl that brought you to learn from her mistakes. You would. And the game against Alabama started the exact same way a year ago in Tuscaloosa. Three would not have made the difference a year ago, clearly. I think they thought three this, wouldn't make a difference this year either. They, they may very well have thought that. Here to me <clears> is, <throat> is one of the interesting things from the Ole Miss-Alabama game. For the first time in a long time, Ole Miss was as good as Alabama. They they matched up with Alabama at basically every position on the field. Receivers had good games, both Mingo and Malik Heath. Malik Heath had a really big game. Quinshawn Judkins goes for over 135 yards. Ole Miss gets three sacks of Bryce Young. There are a lot of things that you can point to as the difference in winning and losing the game. But there's only one thing that you can point to that really, truly is the difference in Ole Miss winning or Alabama winning, and his name is Bryce Young. He was the difference, period. Yeah. And it wasn't his arm. He was incredibly efficient, 21-33 for 209. Not a ton of yards through the air, but three touchdown passes, and two of the three touchdown passes were absolute dimes. But more than that, seven carries for ten yards. Okay, we got to factor in some sack yardage because there were about three runs where he moved the chains for Alabama on a third down to keep drives alive. He was absolutely outstanding. Well, and not just runs either. And, well, I mean, and, and it goes back to something. I think I, I think that was one of the two questions. The way I answered it was with Bryce Young, you know, keeping plays alive with his feet, and that's exactly what he did. O- Ole Miss. At times, did a pretty good job of pressuring him, but at times they just left him too much time in the pocket. And I mean, this Alabama team is—they ran the ball a little bit better in this game, but they're surprisingly one-dimensional, and they really rely on Bryce Young more than. Here's one of those runs right here. This is a, this is a bit, you know, gets it close to a first down there. I, I was surprised that that Ole Miss wasn't able to bring more pressure against them, considering. That how one-dimensional that Alabama offense really is. I thought it changed in the second half too, right? They got more pressure on him mm-hmm. in the first half, and then they got pressure on him late in the ball game when they brought extra guys. Especially one play where they brought a blitz up the middle and got to him and got a sack. But Ole Miss did more three-down lineman stuff in the second half than they did in the first half. They kind of came out with that four-down look, and I, I, I my I guess know. is some of that had to do with. I mean. Katie Hill had to leave the game. Uh, Gordon had to leave the game for a little while, so they started losing bodies up front. You, know, you, you can't go to four down defensive linemen when you got nobody to put in the game. That was part of what I thought the thought process was: is when you lose two reliable defensive tackles, who, who do you put in at that point to stay uh, in a four man front? But as you mentioned, I mean, a game like this, you can point to a dozen different plays that if it goes 
one way or the other, it's a game changer. Cedric Johnson had Bryce Young locked up in the backfield, and Young and his infinite ability to get away from bad situations got out of his grip. I mean, you've got a 270-pound defensive end that's got a hold of him, and he just gets away, dumps it off, big game. If Johnson gets a sack there, the outcome of the game is different. If Zach Evans lands on the ground instead of an Auburn player when he gets lit up and doesn't fumble the ball, that changes the game. Little things here and there, just so close, and Alabama made just one more play than Ole Miss did. And and it feels like the play you just referenced – was the most important play in the entire ball game, right? Ole Miss is leading seventeen to seven, right? They're up seventeen to seventeen seven with the ball. With the ball, what two minutes to go in the half? With, with closing in on halftime, you know, you'd love to drive down and see if you can get points on the board. But more than anything, you're trying to get to the locker room with a two score lead. And you know how Lane Kiffin calls plays. If you get a little success early in a drive. Then you press the the gas pedal down on the tempo. But I think Ole Miss was going to be careful on that drive. Worst case scenario, you punt it away and you make Alabama go a long way. And in that first (laughs) half, they had not proven that they could consistently go a long way. Now, who knows how it would have turned out. But instead, Bryce, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Zach Evans is concussed. We can talk about whether or not that should have been targeting, and I think it's incredibly debatable. I'm not super upset about them not calling targeting on that play. In terms of the letter of the law, was it forcible contact to the head or neck area, but he's not a defenseless player because he's a runner? I thought it was a pretty good football play, and it was a bone-jarring hit. I don't know. Guys, if you slow it down, really slow it down, I think you can see why Zach Evans fumbled. He took a shot into the side of the helmet, and his body went limp. Like He lost the ability to tuck the football away as he was going to the ground. If there is not an Alabama player underneath him, he's down, the ground causes the fumble, and it's still Ole Miss ball. But because there was an Alabama player underneath him, he hit the player. That's when the ball came out before he hit the ground. It was absolutely the right call on the review. Ole Miss, I guess, got a little bit of a break that they They blew the play dead. Alabama ends up scoring the touchdown, and it feels completely different going into the locker room at 17-14 instead of 17-7 at minimum. And, oh, by the way, Alabama gets the ball to start the second half. we got more coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. from you on the ceasefire text line 
I think we'll get into a lot of what you're asking about. Let me just zip through these. Uh, any targeting on that play with Zach Evans? Uh, if that hit at that speed is a targeting call, take the helmets and pads off of them. When the defender went to hit him, he aimed where his mid-chest would be. By the time Evans arrives at the contact point, his head was ducking into the contact. That's Chase from Columbus. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I, I've uh, seen that called targeting. Yes. But I have argued and, many, and, many and disagreed times. disagreed when it was called. Yeah, I've, I've argued many times that a hit like that should not get a guy kicked out of a game. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I thought Judkins should have carried the ball at least twice. I'm assuming that's on the final sequence of the game. Uh, I've seen targeting called for a lot less. That's from Curry and Tupelo. Uh, He got knocked out. Talking about Zach Evans, anyone will fumble when knocked out. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. Somebody says, I believe when playing Bama, you should always take the points unless you're forced to go for it, like with the game on the line. Uh, here's what I will say. Ole Miss fans showed up, and it was very loud, something I haven't heard since 2015. Looked great. Did look good. Looked cold also. Yes. I, I don't think it just looked cold. I think it actually was cold. Brad Quite cold. Nestler said something really funny at the beginning Oops. of the game. He said, the weather is, uh, the you, weather is you, you should have been, been here yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> that was great. That was really, really good. Um... All right, so let's talk about the officiating piece for a second. I I don't want that to be the story, but it's part of the story. So I went back and watched most of the game last night because the first time I watched it, I was doing two things at once. I was broadcasting a game live and trying to watch Ole Miss Alabama at the same time. Clearly you're going to miss some things, probably in both games. (laughs) Probably, for being honest. Um. And, and so I wanted to go back and watch because I had heard so much and read so much about the officiating. And I really only kind of locked in on the first half. I thought there were like four calls where you're like, wait, what? The, um, the face mask on Jackson Dart. And Ole Miss ended up scoring a touchdown there. The face mask where Gary Danielson goes, they didn't call that? (laughs) Where the arm is kind of raked across the helmet and finger grabs the mask and twists it around and there's no call. You saw Jackson Dart get up and immediately look for a flag. Again, Ole Miss scored the touchdown a couple of plays later. But it's like, how do you you miss that? That, that's not an obscure hands to the face by an offensive or defensive lineman. That's the quarterback carrying the ball in the middle of the field and his head gets spun around. No flag. Um, the next one I thought that really stood out, and I get this one not being called. Tavius Robinson was lined up outside. He was chasing Bryce Young, and the right tackle for Alabama went full-on takedown mode. Hey, Dad, your wrestling buddies would have been proud of that one. Kind of a textbook hold where you have a defensive end who is not just slowed, but is actually turned and pulled to the ground. There are a lot of times that doesn't get called, so whatever. The second time that Gary Danielson goes, how do you miss that? And Gary Danielson never says that about officials, especially when it's on an Alabama game. Jackson Dart takes a deep shot down the left hash, ball falls incomplete, there's nobody within like 15 yards around, and Gary Danielson immediately goes, 
looks because the receiver got knocked down. They showed the replay, and it wasn't like incidental contact. It was like the Alabama defensive back, two hands, knocks a guy down off of his route into the dirt. No flat. And, that, and again, you saw the immediate reaction from Jackson Dart where he throws his arms out and he's like looking for where's the flag. And that's one of those. So uh, they're, they're not perfect. They are human beings after all. You know, they got a, a bad spot. Ole Miss benefited from a bad spot in that game. There are times they where they're they going to miss things. Yes. Got but, first down off of it. But that and then the first down run where Jackson Dart has a first down run and they call holding on Watkins when he just got ran over. Clean run over, too. Like, didn't grab him and the guy fell over him. Just clean ran over. And they call holding on him, and it uh, backs Ole Miss 10 yards, obviously, and they have first and 20, can't convert, punt to Alabama. Alabama kicks what was the game-winning field goal. Yeah. Those two are the ones that if I'm Lane Kiffin, if I'm Keith Carter, if I'm Ole Miss, I'm pointing to hard. Because those two are completely inexplicable, inexcusable. There is absolutely no reason for those to happen the way they did. None. The the, the one to me that was most egregious out of all of it is, what, Dallas Turner? Sacks Jackson Dart, uses his head to push himself up off the ground with one hand. Okay, live with that, whatever and then reaches back down with two hands and takes the quarterback's head and slams it into the dirt a second time. I just wonder if you flip the jerseys if that one gets called. Been trying to tell you. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Hour back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT experts who live where you do, right here in Ceasefire country. For more, visit them online at slash business. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit DancingRabbitGolf.com to book your tea time or plan your trip today or at any time in the future. It is just after 4 o'clock, and that means it is time for winners and losers. All I do is We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. We don't never win. Get a 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 win. Get a
for 100 yards. Against Tennessee, Alabama committed 17 penalties for 130 yards, and yet Nick Saban said, no, this will not be the DNA of our team. He has coached penalties out of his players. Against Mississippi State, I think they only committed three penalties. Against Ole Miss, I think they only committed five penalties. It is a remarkable turnaround and speaks to the job that Nick's... Wait. I, I'm hearing something in my... Oh. Alabama's not doing anything different? Oh, I was just told that actually they're just calling the games differently now. My bad. Sorry about that. I, he's he's not a winner, actually, after all. Alabama's not playing any differently than they played when they got called for all those pass interferences against Texas and against Tennessee. They teach their defensive backs to be handsy, to be physical, and they teach them on the premise that they're not going to call them all the time. And after Alabama gets made an example of not once but twice in the same season, guess what? They stop calling them. Okay, it's like, ah, you know what? It's too much work to keep throwing flags on Alabama. We can't have the goat having his eye and his dander up. Not going to keep calling those. Alabama doesn't make penalties anymore. Certainly not in games that matter. Now tell me more, Brian Haydad. Tell me more, oh, brother. I'm, I'm sorry. I was just a little, little drink there. Uh, Here's the thing, though. But you could roll welcome. your eyes and be like, okay, Richard, you're sour, if not for the same flipping thing happening in Starkville on Saturday night. It's the exact same thing. I mean, if four huge missed calls. Again, I, and, and, and in, the difference is this. In the Ole Miss game, you can make an argument that some of those calls going the other way might have swayed the game. You can't do that for State, right? They were always going to lose. Georgia didn't need the help, but they got it anyway because they're Georgia. And that's how that's how life works in the SEC. It's kind of how life works wherever you go. When you have money, you have power, you have influence, you kind of get what you want in this life. Well, that's what Alabama and Georgia get to do. And it's a shame because it's a billion-dollar company. You'd think they could be better, but... Not only are they not better, they have no interest in being better. I mean, it's embarrassing, right? It's just embarrassing the, the way that this conference allows officiating to go. Do you know who the center judge for uh, Saturday night was in Starkville, by the way? The guy who talked the referee out of a roughing the passer call on uh, Will Rogers and the guy who uh, talked the referee out of the intentional grounding on Stetson Bennett? Do you know who that guy was? I do not. It was Mark Curls. No longer Wait, is he, is, the head official. He's not a referee he, anymore? He got demoted. He's not a referee anymore, but his stench remains. <laughs> he's still able to go out and taint the game with his stupidity. That guy shouldn't be allowed to, to manage like a McDonald's inside a gas station. Never mind a full-blown McDonald's. It's and really yet, here he is McDonald's. every week. When, You're right. You're right now. Maybe maybe a checkers. I don't know. What, the Shout two out to checkers. the two flags they waved off. So they called them correctly and then waved them off in Starkville. I don't think they ever. They don't think they ever waved off intentional grounding. But the ref was looking at it and he got talked out of it. Stetson Bennett threw the ball from the spot he took the snap from, and they decided he was out of the tackle box. He was at the spot, and then the. Not roughing the passer on Will Rogers because they claimed that the guy was blocked into him when he wasn't touched is is just those are the kind of things that just cannot happen. 
And but but here's here's what's going to happen though. Well, we'll take you back to Oxford. So Jackson Dart didn't play poorly. There were too many people that were blaming him for the loss. You're insane. But either way, he didn't play well either. He had the ball in his hands late in the game to make a play, and it didn't happen. There's a miscommunication on the first down play. Pocket collapsed on him. Doesn't matter. Couldn't make the play. He's 19 years old. And after that 19-year-old, in front of 65,000 people in the stadium, and another what? What's the number going to be? Seven, eight, nine million people at home. That 19-year-old had to go into a room with a bunch of middle-aged men and women and answer whatever question they felt like asking him. How does it feel? What did you see there? What went wrong? On and on and on. And he had to be held accountable for what happened on the field. But the middle-aged men, adult men, who did to some degree have an impact on the game, get police escorted right out of the stadium. And nothing happens. And even if the league office decides to punish them, you don't know what it is, and they'll be on the field next week. You find out a year later that Mark Curls has been demoted. But if Jackson Dart would have thrown, let's say he made four mistakes and they were all intercepted, people would be calling for him, and he Mm -hmm. might lose his job. He, he might get demoted. He might get demoted. <laughs> you wouldn't have to wait publicly. a year to know that. <laughs> so why? Yeah, you and, know it pretty early. And I understand that there are people in the media that, that would not be able to control their emotions in the way that they ask referees questions. Then kick them out of the room. But when a 19-year-old has to face the media after a game, but a middle-aged man does not, it seems backwards. So if somebody in the media can't handle it, I mean, kick them out of the room. They do it in the pros? They do it in the pros. They have a pool reporter. You pick one guy out of the out of the beat. He goes down there and he talks to the officials, and he finds out he, he can ask the questions: What happened on this play? And get the answers. You know, if you feel like there's a guy in your beat who's like he'll, he'll go in there and make a scene, don't pick him. Hmm. In other words, I would never be picked. And my scene, my scene wouldn't even be like, why are you so biased against my team? My scene would be like, you guys are idiots, and you always have been, and it's never going to change, is it? That's my question. Is it ever going to change? No, I answered it for you. You would only get one opportunity to be the pool reporter. I would get one chance. I'd go in there, and I, I would probably walk in and be like, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it with you guys. I'm out. Anybody got a winner? Clark. Lee. in Vanderbilt. That was really cool. Because especially as an alum, going back to coach at that job, and, and we all know this, we talk about it all the time, all of you listening understand, I'm sure, how hard of a job that is. You are in the richest conference in America, filled with teams that spend more money and have more resources and better players than anywhere else in college football. And then there's you. Uh, an academic institution that does not care about football. Apparently, they're getting a stadium renovation. That's nice, but historically, Vanderbilt doesn't care. It's hard to get players to go there. You have a tiny fan base. They're not invested. Your players aren't getting any NIL money. It's a near-impossible job. But he took it anyway. And if he didn't take it, he's probably the head coach at Notre Dame today. If you think about that. So... He takes this impossible job, and his first game on the job was a blowout loss to East Tennessee State. And a year later, he goes to Lexington and beats a ranked team. 
They are improving every week. They are competent. They're well-coached. They're tough. They didn't blink at all. Kentucky goes up late, and guess what they did? Go right down the field and score and win the game. They're never going to be great. Hell, they're probably never going to be good. But Vanderbilt is very soon, they already are, not a team you just walk in and beat by 100. You're going to have to play when you play Vanderbilt. I think they've covered three double-digit spreads this year. What? They're they're a double-digit underdog. I I think there's another one. I'm not sure. And then they play Florida. They're 14.5-point underdog. I'm going to take them to cover. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll actually get a little deeper into winners and losers when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Maybe. Can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi continuing winners and losers. We'll get to yours on the ceasefire text line coming up in just a minute. Hey, Dad, I don't even think we've gotten to you with a winner yet. We haven't. Uh, let's let's talk about everybody here in the state of Mississippi that uh, that was nominated for the Connerly Trophy today. Now, those announcements came. Those nominees were put out today. We'll just run through them real quick. From Alcorn, Jarvion Howard. From Bellhaven, Connor Fordham. From Delta State, please forgive me if I uh, mispronounce this, but Pat- Patrick Shegog, mm-hmm. uh, Shadur Sanders from Jackson State, Moise Tezo from Millsaps, Marcus Williams, Mississippi College, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, Ronnie Thomas from Mississippi Valley State, Quinshawn Junkins from Ole Miss, and Jason Brownlee from, uh, from USM. That's a really good group. You got a lot of future pros in there, and I think I'm, I'm just making a prediction, and I haven't cast my ballot yet, but... I, I feel that it's going to be somebody outside the big three has a really great chance. I think Shadur Sanders has a really good chance of being the winner of this trophy. It's a tough choice, too, right? Because, I mean, Forbes it's, it's Forbes at State's having an all-SEC kind of year. Quinshaw Judkins yeah. is about to break the rushing record out of school that had Deuce McAllister play for it. Who doesn't have that record? I know, right? Who doesn't it, have that record, yeah. Uh, I mean, the running back. He's going to break play. a record that stood for almost 75 years? As a true okay. freshman. And Shador Sanders yeah. is the quarterback of Jackson State, which is one of the more interesting stories in college undefeated. football. Undefeated. And they're undefeated. 71% yeah. completion, 2,800 yards, 30 numbers are good. five interceptions. And I'm sure the for numbers are good. And the rushing numbers on top of that, too. Uh, yeah, I'm with Haydad. I think he's going to win. He's good. I think that Judkins, because the, the voting goes through the 27th, so we have until the Sunday after the final weekend of the season. Uh, 
if Judkins has two monster games, I think he can he can win. But if Sanders Sanders they play Alcorn this week, if he has a monster game in that game, it might might seal that up too. I think Forbes, as much as I, I am a mark for Emmanuel Forbes, I think he's third. I think it's between Judkins and Sanders. I I, I think that's very reasonable. I, I do. Uh, you're looking at what probably the the best quarterback at the FBS level, and, and I'm mm-hmm. lumping all HBCUs into the FBS. So. I'm FCS. sorry, FCS, not the FBS, the FCS level, even though the, the yeah. winner of the SWAT goes to the Celebration Bowl, not the FCS playoffs. Uh, different discussion there. You're talking about the best quarterback at that level, and you're talking about what? One of the three or four best running backs in the entire country and a consensus freshman All-American mm-hmm. who plays in the SEC and has went over 1,000 yards, the fastest freshman running back in SEC history to go over 1,000 yards. Yeah, eclipsing the mark that was previously set by great, great Herschel group Walker. of guys here. This is this. There's a mm-hmm. lot of quality uh, choices here. So it's almost like Absolutely. we play some pretty good football around here. We do, just, we do. I mean, Bradley's a having bit. a great year down in, in Southern. So, so you know, yeah, really, really is. Uh, any other winners? I, I actually had one that I wanted to get to. I, I made a note of it because I knew I was going to forget this one if I didn't actually do it. Uh, here we go. The Cortica Cup. Are you familiar with the Division Three football Cortica Cup? Ithaca College versus Cortland College. They played and had the second largest crowd ever for a Division Three game. They played it at Yankee Stadium. Division Three football. Forty thousand two hundred thirty-two people showed wow. up. For Ithaca College in Cortland, second biggest crowd ever for a D3 game, trailing only the Cortica Cup from 2019 when they had 45,000 show up at MetLife Stadium. I just thought that was really cool. That's awesome. I mean, you want to talk about a different version of football than what we watch every Saturday? Division three football. No scholarships. Yeah, you got to love to play at that level. You absolutely do. So, very cool, I thought. They had a beautiful day for it, too. Yeah. It was so much warmer in New York than it was in Oxford, Mississippi, or Starkville, Mississippi, or Houston, Texas, for that matter. I don't know. I don't know. Go so figure. This so is my favorite loser of all time. Can we switch to losers? Yes. Yes. Of so, uh, obviously, CBS is an over-the-antenna, uh, over over-the-air network. It's not one feed. It's a bunch of feeds. That go out to all the local markets. Well, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, so the CBS station in Bowling Green, Kentucky, during the Ole Miss-Alabama game, a critical spot. One minute left, Ole Miss has the ball in Alabama's red zone. They're down by six. It's third and ten. I wish you guys could see the video, but I'll play the audio for you. This is what happened on CBS in Bowling Green, Kentucky, right before the snap on third and ten. In a six-point game in the red zone. Timeout gives a chance to Christian Judkins catch a blow. He needed it. And he's going to flush out of the backfield, so it's all Jackson Dart. Today on Funny You Should Ask, John Lovitz, Raven Simmons, Howie Mandel. Timeout gives... <laughs> 
they, oh my the, gosh. The, the controller or whatever forgot to delay the airing of a show apparently called Funny You Should Ask. And as Dart's dropping his hand to take the snap on third and ten, they mm. switch to a game show called Funny You two, Should Ask. Two things. Two things. First off, I mean, we know how it is with these hard breaks and stuff that's programmed. I mean, when it's ready to go, it goes. But, man, Bowling Green is one thing. I really wish that had been Birmingham, Alabama. Ooh. Because there might have been a legitimate riot. That would have been spectacular, no doubt. No doubt. Hey, this one comes from the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. If you want to join the conversation, winner, Texas A&M. Yeah, national champs. Gig them. Congratulations to the fighting Texas Aggie meat judging team. The team won the national Anybody. championship in intercollegiate meat judging. There are a lot of thumbs up anybody in that picture. Could, uh, anybody could judge the quality of a longhorn steer. It would be Texas A&M. I'll be honest. When I saw the picture of the national champion meat judging team, that's not what I would have thought they would have looked like. I didn't expect that. <laughs> no, I did the, not the, expect a bunch of relatively the, attractive college girls. I'm just not. I'm not going to lie. I, I I thought it would be a bunch of dudes. There are twelve people in the picture, and yeah. the the um, gender breakdown is two to ten, male to female. That's that's surprising, but congrats, national champs. Okay, can they? Can they transfer Jimbo to that? Just pay him nine million a year to be the meat judging coach. They'd somehow mess it up. No, no, you've already got a winning program there. I'm just saying they'd probably mess it up, and he he would tell everybody that a cow was a pig somehow. But all right, here we go. I had a friend. Uh, Sorry, carry on. I had a friend ask me this weekend, you know, State played Texas A&M Corpus Christi in basketball uh, last week. Could they start a football program at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, make Jimbo the coach of that, and then move on with the main campus with the coaching search? Um, you got to be creative with your solutions. Yeah, but I mean, you're still having to pay him. Who cares? You're just paying him $9 million a year. He'll quit. He'll, he'll walk away at that point. Uh, winner, Cadillac Williams. Good to see somebody who loves yeah. his job and shows passion. It shows on the field and it shows in his players. Winner, Alabama for seven in a row against Ole Miss. Huh? Uh, it was Mike in Oxford, by the way, who uh, gets credit for the uh, meat judging competition winner. Uh, winner, Patrick Shegok, 38 touchdowns, 31 passing and 17 rushing. Uh, math doesn't check out there. Is that seven That's rushing that. or 48 total? So Anyway, it says when Delta State needs three yards, he goes college Dak. Or it could be 48 touchdowns because that would that would add up. Uh, da, 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 da. I have a loser that i, I got to throw in. Okay. So Borky's winner was Vanderbilt. There is a flip side to that coin. And that is the Kentucky Wildcats. I am done with the Will Levis as a top draft pick conversation. Kentucky State fans, we just have to eat. We just have to eat the the crap pie. We lost to a bad team there. Kentucky's bad. They're not good. 
And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen, for a team that's supposed to have a top 10 draft choice, I've never seen a team take the ball out of his hands more. Imagine if old, imagine when Eli Manning was at Ole Miss, if they were just like, no, no, we can't, we can't put the game in Eli's hands under any circumstances. Mm. That's what they do in Kentucky. You know, there's a reason for that, right? He's not that good. That's the reason. He's a turnover machine. It's four Mm. in his last three games. Another winner on the ceasefire text line, former Corinth Warrior Parks Frazier called an amazing game as the primary play caller in the Colts win at the Raiders. That message comes from Chandler in Oxford. My father-in-law sends me a message. He says that he was on the meat judging team at Mississippi State his senior year, but it was an all-male group. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon, the 14th of November. We are 10, count them, 10 days away from what game is that? The Egg Bowl. 10 days. Oh, yeah. yeah. 10 days away for Mississippi State. Honestly, more importantly. More importantly, we're 10 yes. days away from Cross Haydad Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, we're, we're putting your name in it? Well, I'm, it's you and I are, 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 the, are the star we're, attraction. We're dining right? together. Oh, okay. Okay. We dine together, yes. Yes. Uh, forecast is not what I was hoping it was going to be for that day. But there's I mean, a lot of chance for it to change between now and then, right? That's true. We can just avoid the rain. I mean, it could rain. Oh, like, I thought you meant on the field forecast. I was hoping that would change too. But oh well. Oh no, no, no! I'm fine with it raining that night during the game. I just don't want it to rain that afternoon during lunch. <laughs> Make things a whole Richard's lot easier. Out there, seeding the clouds for yeah. the egg bowl. <laughs> Whatever. Just, just give Whatever me a break happens, for now. Man. It could rain later. That's fine. Six oh one. Let it happen. Let's see here. Uh, ta, 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 ta. Ben says another winner, Delta State. They are 10 and 1. Co conference champs playoffs for the first time since 2017. They play at 1 o'clock against Fayetteville State at home this coming Saturday. Congratulations. Great year for Delta State. Really, really good year. I've got a couple more losers. Uh, stats of the day, two of them. Here's one. If Texas never fired Mac Brown and he repeated his nine worst seasons at Texas from 2014 to now, they would have 18 more wins than they do today. Whoa. I'll repeat it in case that, that's a little that's wordy. That's crazy. If they never fire Mac Brown and he repeats his nine worst seasons he had at Texas, they would have 18 more wins than they do today. That. Mm. 
All right, so what was the what was the post Mac Brown order? Charlie Strong, Tom Herman. Yeah. Yeah. Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Man, they couldn't wait to get rid of Mac, though. It was time. They had to take the next step. Of course, they also thought they were getting Nick Saban when they got rid of Mac Brown. Oh, and buddy, they were close. You got to take that into account. You got to take that into account. They thought they had a deal. Uh, Not almost. You think Texas old men would know you don't have a deal till you have a deal? Did they ever watch Dallas? Ever watch J.R. Ewan back out on something at the last minute? Until it's signed, it's not done. Sounds Hmm. like there are people... Uh, around SEC that that need to take that advice. Saturday of the day number two, Texas A&M is now officially the seventh team, the seventh team to be in the preseason top six to finish with a losing record in the last 50 years. Uh, Funny enough, Texas is one of those. So 2012 Texas A&M, 2010 Texas, 05 Tennessee, 2000 Alabama, 84 Pittsburgh, 81 Notre Dame, 76 Arizona State. Texas A&M has more losses than their ranking to start the season. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Wow. I never in a million years, Borky, thought that we were making Texas 8-4 and jokes. I never thought it would be like this. Nobody would be Nobody. I never thought it was going to be Texas 4-8. and eight. I never would have guessed. Gosh. I really want Jimbo to hold on because media days next year will be a zoo if he's there. Everybody will be just like, what, what, what's wrong? What, what's going on? Tell us. Well, I mean, I appreciate the question, but uh, bottom line is we didn't had some, had some injuries a year ago and uh, didn't play very well, and I uh, got to do a better job coaching, got to do a better job uh, executing on the plays. Uh, our quarterback's grown up a little bit. We're excited about this season. Got a great group of new guys coming in, and uh, this is going to be we, – we, you know, we, feel, we feel pretty good about this season. There you go. That's what Jimbo's going to say next year. Hard questions roll off of his back like duck, uh, water off a duck's back. Ah, let's see here. Somebody says they loved Dallas, the TV show. A lot of comparisons between Dallas and Yellowstone, that uh, Yellowstone is a modern Dallas. I also saw a lot of complaints about the first two episodes of uh, Yellowstone, which debuted last night, saying that it's jumped the shark, it's gone too far, it's not believable enough. Who cares? It's a television show. It was pretty entertaining. It was pretty entertaining. It's not believable. Like My favorite show for years was about dragons. There were dragons. Do you like Star Wars? Also, not terribly believable. And yet, here we are. Um, Let's dive into... I don't know. There are a few more winners and losers on here that I think we should get to. Um, Hmm. George and West Point, the reason State lost to a bad Kentucky is because Mississippi State is a bad team, if not worse. Winner, Ole Miss for making it a lot better game than it was last year, LOL, Kirk from Tylertown. Yeah, I found that that's something to take away, though. I know we talked about Ole Miss earlier. We'll flip to State. But there are times where, like Brandon Marcello, who's been on this show, when he said that, Kiffin's frustrations after the game were him expressing that he's hit his ceiling. And I thought, Brandon, your read on what he said is the exact opposite of what he was saying. Ole Miss did not give Alabama their best shot. 
That's why he was so mad. And that's what, you know, there's no such thing as moral victories. And and there are some people, like in my live chat last night, that were like, oh, well, they played so well. But it doesn't matter. They didn't win. And they could have and they should have. They, they had a, a fumble. And I know, I know he got hit hard, but a, a fumble. There were correctly called untimely penalties. There, they had six trips to the red zone, only three touchdowns. They didn't give Alabama their best shot. That's why your coach was so frustrated. Missouri gave Georgia their best shot. Should have won the game. But Missouri can't play any better than that. Almost can play a lot better than they did. They did not play a perfect game. They can be much better at quarterback. They can be much better on the offensive line. And they can make fewer mistakes. And they still should have won the game. That wasn't their best shot at all. So, I, I mean, I, I if, if I was an Ole Miss fan listening to this, really listen to what Lane Kiffin said after the game. And, and adopt his mindset. Don't be proud of your team because they played close. Doesn't matter. You're paying them $7.5 million a year. That number is going to climb exponentially here soon. You're not paying him. It says Brandon Marcello has to tuck his Auburn jersey underneath his button-up shirt when he's out doing his job. You've an Arkansas fan. He just lives in Arkansas. He went to Arkansas. Either way. Adopt his mentality. I know, Richard. Look at that little smug look on your face. I know Richard Cross isn't going to get on somebody about maybe having a little homer tendency towards I know that's not going to happen on this show. Oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say that Brandon Marcello seems to be incredibly sympathetic to all the teams that he has covered. It's like he develops a soft spot for those places. Hmm. Convince Mississippi State fans of that. Hmm. Point been some favorable coverage to the Bulldogs through the years, hasn't he? I I, I don't know. I guess. No. What what was written about I think Auburn after they beat A&M was ridiculous, but that's fine. The most fantastical place in college football. Fantastical? I think that was the word that was fantastical. used. Fantastical. <laughs> it is something to see a 3 and 6 team going nowhere sell out their stadium. 87,000 strong and looking like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was impressive. Meanwhile yeah. in Starkville. What? Oh. Richard, I've been going to that stadium a lot of years. I have never seen that many opposing fans in my life. Really? The east side, the east side. I mean, there's a picture. I, I tweeted out a picture of it. MSU did one of those panorama shots, and you can see it, man. It is, there are so many. When I went out Friday night for dinner, I was like, gosh, there's a lot of Georgia fans downtown. But, man, I did not expect them to be that many. The whole east side was red and black. How many would you guess? Stadium holds sixty-two thousand. At least, at least, at least fifteen thousand. At least, I'm, I might be being generous. I couldn't see the west side. Hmm. Hmm. Bobby and Batesville says Jackson Dart looked so very defeated by the end of the game. I think some of his decisions came from feeling the refs were against him at that point. That's just what I saw, trying to keep my emotion out of it. Okay. But I, I thought. Pressure. Uh, Alabama's pressure got to him a little bit. Where there are a couple of times where he could have stayed in the pocket and delivered a clean football, but he was anticipating rush, which in fairness, Alabama was getting to him a lot and brought his eyes down before he needed to. But you got to remember, that was the biggest game the 19-year-olds ever played in. 
If you expected him to be perfect, that, that's a you problem, not a him problem. He'll learn and, I assume, handle an environment like that better. And he wasn't even bad. His numbers are basically identical to the Heisman Trophy winners in that game. He wasn't bad. It just there's room for improvement. They were better, weren't they? Less efficient, fewer touchdowns. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. segment of the 4 o'clock hour, hour number two of the show. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Check out the collegiate collection, Ole Miss gear, Mississippi State gear, Southern Miss gear, Auburn, Alabama, Missouri, Louisiana, Memphis, and plenty others. You can find a Genteel retailer near you. They are all across the state of Mississippi, or you can go to their website, genteelapparel.com. Where can you find those retailers? Well, how about Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's in Oxford, S.F. Alban in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, and the Country Gentleman in Greenville, just to name a few. All right, hey, Deb. So... 45-19 the final. Georgia led 7 to nothing. Mm-hmm. It was 17 to 12 at the half thanks in part to a Xavion Thomas 63-yard return for touchdown on a punt with less than a minute to go in the half, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 3 3, three seconds, seconds left. left on the clock. Yes. Yeah. Um and it had Mississippi State very much in the football game. Did it feel like State was in the game at that point? Not to me, because Georgia was really getting what they wanted offensively, um, and State wasn't doing very much uh, on the on 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 when they had the ball. Um, it was sort of the same old same old things we had talked about before. Uh, so no, it didn't really ever feel like that to me. But at the same time, I know that you know college football is a crazy game, and if another big play went Mississippi State's way, they would be in the game from a score perspective at least. But I always felt Georgia was in control. You look at Mississippi State's total yardage and I mean, you know, fine, whatever. This is an offense that puts up yards. But do you have to kind of take that last drive out of the mix? Does that change the way you look at the numbers? I And I mean, that, that's kind of counterintuitive to what I normally say because they all count. But right. Mississippi State goes like tempo, no huddle, play super fast, boom, 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 couple of big plays down the field, seven plays, 71 yards. And yeah. I, I don't know. I don't even know what uh, So to be, for, to be totally honest, I didn't even see the last drive. When George scored that last touchdown, I was like, I, I'm really cold. I'm going to go sit inside and start getting ready to do post game. So, yeah, I mean, you can at that point. It's kind of like the last drive against Alabama, right, where they scored. You know, at that point, it's just trying to get through the game. Um, but it was, you know, Will Rogers again, inaccurate passing, um, not able to find some open. He had some open guys that I saw, 
And then the running game, again, 14 carries for your running backs compared to 51 passes. No chance. And, and look, no chance the, to the, win doing that. The reason I asked that question was not like, a, ooh, let's try and make it look worse. It was there were 71 yards on that final drive of the game when Georgia had just shut it down, and mm-hmm. that got Mississippi State over 300 yards for the game. They finished the game with 308 mm-hmm. total yards, and 70 of them came in the final two minutes. I, I don't think Rodgers was over 200 yards passing until the fourth quarter. Um, obviously, the rushing yards just kind of are what they are. State only gave up one sack in the game, so that wasn't too bad. But... It's just the stuff I talked about on Friday. I said they have to do this, they have to do that. They didn't do any of those things. And I'm not saying I'm a, a genius or anything like that, but I mean, I'm not. This feels like it's just common sense. It feels like it's just they have to run the football better. They have to, you know, push the ball down the field a little bit. Rodgers right now, I, I think mentally, is in a bad spot. I just don't feel like he has any confidence right this second. He's always looking to dump off. He's not looking down the field. Um, I, I, don't, I just don't I don't know how much more Will Rogers has in the tank to get through this season. 52 pass attempts for, well, there was one team. I don't know what was that. So Will Rogers goes 29 of 51 for 261 yards and a touchdown. Not picked off in the game. When he marks seven carries for 41 yards, that's an average of six yards a carry. Yes. Mark's had a good game. You know, he he's run the ball well when he's been having given the opportunity. They're just not giving him the opportunities. Yeah. So my question is, why do we keep talking about this? It's a, it's a good point. I mean, it feels like we're talking about the sun rising and setting. <laughs> because I mean, the medium just... in which we operate is a vocal one. Well, no, I, but, no, but I'm only talking about... We have a problem. True. I'm only talking about running. Run the ball ro- more. Run the ball more. We have two decades of sample size that says that's not going to happen. And also so we had six years, games. Uh, also 100 years sample size year. saying if you don't run it in the SEC, you're not winning. But we had six games this year of State running the ball and looking really, really good on offense and winning five of their first six. And now they've gotten completely away from it, and they're one of their last uh, four. They're one and three. That's where they are. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. We'll get to the college football fix. We'll spend some more time on Mississippi State and Georgia. Uh, We'll get to what else happened in the SEC and uh, more of your text messages on the C Spire text line. We'll be right back. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, the home 
uh, the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. To find out everything that's happening at Pearl River Resort, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, we would love for you to join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We are rolling into the holiday season, and if there is like an electronic purchase on your kid's wish list this year, Check in with C Spire. You might find exactly what you are looking for, nonstop deals, so that you can gift like a legend at cspire.com. Maybe you're looking for, I don't know, a, a wearable, an Apple Watch, or something else uh, along those lines. They can help you out at C Spire. What? I still sell Discmans. Can I get one of those? A Discman. You know... The the Walkman was so much more functional than a Discman. Oh, a Discman! If you took a step, it, it, the the disc was going to come out. You couldn't couldn't deal with it. You remember the attachment that you could get for the vehicle that would like balance the Discman in the cup and like absorb yeah. the shock, and yeah. then you had the cord running from there into the tape yeah. deck in the car, so yes. that you could play yes. CDs through the tape deck, which it might have kind of defeated the purpose of the quality of CDs. But why not just understand. have the cassette at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Borky is like, these CDs and cassettes you speak of, what are, what are those? I had a CD player when I was a kid, big one. Well, CDs CD you might have had, cassette, cassettes, no. No. Uh-uh. First CD you ever owned? Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay. I think that's mine, too. Really? We were buying them around the same time. Yeah, I didn't get into CDs until late, until I got to college. Uh, like that and Blues Travelers 4... Tom Petty, Wildflowers, Better Than Ezra, Deluxe. Counting Crows? Oh, yeah, for sure. August and Everything August and Everything After. after. Yeah, yeah. I think my very first CD was uh, was Led Zeppelin Three, which I know That's would please one. Michael Borky. Yeah, it would. Mm. A scrutinized album, though. The critics didn't like it at the time, but if you listen to it, it's still brilliant because... Hey, hey, they, mama they, said the way you move, gonna... Yeah. They were just brilliant. More so brilliant is their best that, album. Huh? Okay. I think. I think it's Led Zeppelin 4. Oh, yeah. Make a strong case. But th- 3 is is Black Dog and Stairway to Heaven and... No, right? that's 4. No, that's, that's 4. Yeah, that's oh, 4. Oh, well, okay, then I messed it up. Led Zeppelin 4, then, is my the first CD I ever owned. Okay. I know you guys are shocked that I messed up a music take. No, three was uh, when they they, they kind of they did a lot of like folky acoustic stuff, and and it wasn't really them. Now, immigrant song is still on there, but that was like their their kind of low key album. And critics at the time were like, "What is Led Zeppelin doing? They're a rock band. This isn't rock music. This is more folky." But then you listen to it now, and it's still brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sadly, a lot of drugs, but also a lot of musical brilliance were involved in making their albums. That's probably true about most of your great bands, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean, probably, yeah. probably <laughs> so. All right, let's do it. Time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. There was a weird 
thing from John Cohen. And for, did it happen during the this Auburn is A&M during game? During the game, yeah. So walk me through this. I, I, I saw what you tweeted. I guess I saw it either late Saturday night or early Sunday morning. Hey, this is John Cohen being John Cohen, which is, I don't know if that's the same as just Auburn being Auburn, but. Right. but, but Reread me the quotes because it uh, came during, like you said, during the game. So so here's here's the quote right here. This is to Cole Kublik. He was asked about. Uh, it's a, a, an in-game interview, right? Y- yeah. Here it is. So it, it took me a second to pull up the full thing to make sure I didn't miss uh, any any context. Talking about Mike Leach said it's a different fit. Each institution requires a different group of characteristics. And of course, big believer in Mike Leach, he's done a tremendous job there. Debatable. But here at Auburn, it's a different set of requirements. We're going to go out and we're going to find the right guy. All right, two things. First off, I've been told behind the scenes, sort of off the record kind of stuff, but I'll bring it up here. Uh, that Cohen has been kind of adamant that he doesn't want to go down the same road that Scott Strickland did and pluck Mississippi State's head coach. Although it's a completely different situation, right? Everybody wanted to keep Mullen. I think if Leach left, I'm not saying everybody would be happy, but a lot of Mississippi State fans would be like, well, best of luck. Uh, and I, and you would probably think that you could continue to beat Auburn at the clip you've beaten them. Um, that being said, what is he talking about? Like requirements? Are you, are you? Is he trying to say standards? Is he trying to say, you know, expectations? Requirements is a weird word to use there. And characteristics as well. Yeah, like every, everybody wants to win. The, the 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 desire to win is the same. You know, at most places. Now I went onto a rant on yesterday's thunder or today's thunder and lightning podcast about Mississippi State fans. Who like uh, making the comments that like they like to talk about winning, but then you show the stadium and there's fifteen thousand Georgia fans in there, and you know where did they get those tickets from? They didn't they didn't just fall out of the air. But yeah, Cohen has not handled the the the, the departure as well as you would like to think. And it just feels like he keeps, and I don't know if he's meaning to do it or not, but he keeps needling Mississippi State, and I, I don't I don't quite understand why. I think you're doing Auburn a disservice, too. If you think Mike Leach is a great coach and the best coach for the job, but you're not going to take him because you feel some sort of loyalty to Mississippi State, your job is to to do for Auburn now, John. It's not to do for Mississippi State anymore. It's not like they're going to throw a party to bring you back anyway. He doesn't think that Mike Leach is the best coach for Auburn. Just say that. I guess you can't because you hired him. I think he did say that. That's why, see, because I tweeted this, and by the way, this happened during the second quarter. This was during the game. Um, Because I tweeted that, and I said, he's not talking about football. He's talking about person. That's why the word requirements was used. Because, and now I'm putting words in his mouth, Mike Leach can get away with stuff at Mississippi State that he can at Auburn, like showing up an hour late to a press conference. That kind of stuff. They're not going to accept that over there. And characteristics. He didn't talk about winning. 
He didn't talk about expectations on the field. He used fit, characteristics, requirements. He's talking about person. He's not talking about football coach. I find that bizarre. And in a way, maybe unintentionally, he's taking a shot at Mississippi State. That that person, not good enough for Auburn, but he's fine at Mississippi State. He's a smart enough guy. He doesn't misspeak. Not in that setting. Not talking to, albeit a phenomenal guy and great at his job, but a friendly sideline analyst in Cole Kublik. He's an Auburn guy. He doesn't make any bones about it. Those words were used for a reason. Mike Leach isn't good enough for Auburn, but he's good enough for Mississippi State. Off the football field. Oh, I think on the football field there also. I think Auburn would look at Mike Leach and say, no, Mike Leach is not good enough for us on the field. I think they would too, but there's a reason he used characteristics and requirements and fit. Because to your credit... It's all a bunch of... of, Coach speak is not the right word because he's not a coach anymore, but it's all it is. It's It's all all nonsense. Gobbledygook. I just I found it so odd. It's it feels messy to me. An athletic director, yeah, you don't want a guy that's going going to have nasty phone records. Okay, but did Cole ask him directly? Is Mike Leach on your radar? How did he get to that point of this line of question? It was brought up by Cole. If I remember it correctly, it was brought up by Cole. I mean, look, the Mike Leach was not where the search began at Mississippi State. The search was over. They were hiring Joe Judge until the New York Giants decided to hire Joe Judge, and so he went there instead of coming to Starkville. And so he had to go to the next plan, and the next plan was Mike Leach. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix. We'll be back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So the other non-football thing, well, I mean, it's football-related, but it's football personnel and coaching. It's not on the field stuff. Is the Auburn, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss saga. Um, I was walking my five-year-old daughter into kindergarten this morning and admittedly I kind of checked out on sports stuff about eight o'clock last night got the kids to bed Jane wasn't feeling well kind of made sure she was cool decided to go watch two episodes of Yellowstone 
didn't really look at Twitter. Didn't look at it while I was getting kids ready to get out the door this morning. And um, we get out of the car, and Ava Montgomery speaks to this little girl who's in her class. And the dad goes, man, that was crazy on Twitter last night, wasn't it? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I assume that this is related to Lane Kiffin. And then, you know, a couple of messages, hey, what do you... I'm like, I don't don't know, but here's what I know. If somebody's telling you definitively what's going to happen, they're lying to you because they don't know. They don't know, and the few people that do know aren't talking yet. Like, I don't... I know what my buddy Brandon Walker's doing. I know he's he's just, he's poking y'all, but I reached out to a couple of folks over in the state of Alabama, and they they were just basically saying what you're saying, Richard. It's like there's a ton of smoke right now, a ton, and within that smoke, there's probably some truth. But it, like you like you said, I think somebody texted us over saying they saw on Facebook, which is, guys don't ever get your sports news from Facebook unless you are looking at the Sports Talk Mississippi Facebook page. That is the only place. But he's like, uh, they said it's a done deal. Guys, Wait, do we have one of those? We do. Oh, good enough. Boy, that do you really think? I know, right? This guy. Do you really think? I mean, do you really think? As let me finish my point here. Do you really think that with two huge games left to go, that Ole Miss told Lane Kiffin, "Yeah, go negotiate with Auburn, and, we'll, and whatever happens, happens. And if you're not here for the Egg Bowl, because you." You went ahead and took the Auburn job. That's okay. We're fully confident in Charlie Weiss's ability to lead the program. We might bring his dad in as a consultant. These are all dream scenarios of mine. So, yeah. It's pretty obvious, right? Because I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, and and maybe I don't know how it works, and and he's right, but there have been conversations. Very comfortable saying that. Not Lane Kiffin and John Cohen don't text each other. How's your morning been? They're not talking to each other. But I bet my car, and, and it's not even a bet, it's it's more of an understanding that representatives have spoken. Mm-hmm. But also, that the same representation that has spoken to Auburn is also talking to Ole Miss. There are too many people that think, well, there's word that Auburn offered that it's over. As if Ole Miss can't say, oh, they're going to give you that. Well, we'll give you more. Because I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And that may not happen. But I promise you, Keith Carter is not going to let Auburn offer Lane Kiffin without countering with as much as he possibly can give. People think Mm -hmm. that Ole Miss, I read something, it was from on three like last week. That said that, well, Lane Kiffin currently makes 7.25, so Auburn's going to have to go to 8.25 if they want to take him. And I thought, you are the dumb. I'm sorry to, to be so condescending. You're the dumbest person on earth if you think that 8.2 is going to get him away from Ole Miss. Like that, you, that is ridiculous. They're not going down without a fight. It doesn't mean he doesn't leave. But th- there are too many people that think that that it's that it's done right now. Because they either believe somebody trolling them on Twitter, which I'm not going to lie, I laughed a lot at Brendan Walker's trolling last night. I thought it was funny because he was getting people left and right. Yeah. But a masterclass. 
just because somebody that covers Auburn is saying that they offered somebody, that's all they said, by the way, they offered somebody, that doesn't mean anything at all. You'd be shocked at how many other places your coach's agent talks to. Every offseason. Every single one. I said that to a Clemson fan friend of mine earlier. I don't know who represents Dabo, but I said I wouldn't be surprised if Dabo's agent has talked to Auburn. You know what the most surprising thing I've seen in a long time was? Jimmy Sexton at the airport. I just assumed he had a plane and he flew everywhere he was going. Two Fridays ago, I was on my way to... Sexton won. Do you think it'd be a thing? Yeah. (laughs) More likely a thing than cross one. Certainly know that. Um, I'm surprised. No, yeah, so so two Fridays ago, I guess he was headed to Athens for the Georgia-Tennessee game. Anyway, um, hmm. yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. It appears, I mean, pretty much everybody is in agreement that Lane Kiffin is target number one for Auburn. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a big separation between him and literally any other candidate. If Lane Kiffin doesn't go to Auburn, it's a massive win for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. If Auburn offers Lane Kiffin eight years and $100 million fully guaranteed, I'll be a little surprised if Lane Kiffin doesn't go to Auburn. Which would make him the highest paid it head would, coach in college football. And it would be $100 million mm-hmm. fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Auburn is going to do that. I am curious I like if John Co- Well, I, I'm curious if John Cohen and the way he operates the budget of an athletics department changes at Auburn. Because, I mean, there were some constraints, but I felt like there were times where John Cohen operated with tighter purse straps than were necessary at Mississippi State because that's just what he believed in. Did I say that fairly? No, I think so. There, There is a contingent of Mississippi State fans who would tell you that he sort of learned from the Larry Templeton tree, stay in the black. And, and look, I mean, it, it, I think Mississippi State is plenty healthy financially in its athletics department. There's a, a great deal of, um, like, kudos, good job that goes along with that. But you're operating in a business where you probably better be pretty close to zeroing out the budget each year. Like, saving money does not get you ahead in the SEC. And so, is the way he manages the budget at Auburn going to change from the way he managed the budget at Mississippi State? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I think Ole Miss is going to be as competitive as it can possibly be. I have... I've reached out. It's pretty quiet right now, too, like from, from people that are in the know. So people that are reporting, and I mean, Neil McCready had a report on on the Rebel Growth site, and you can like Neil or not, not like Neil. Neil. Neil McCready does a really good job covering coaching searches. <coughs> he has a significant reporting background, and he does a good job on coaching searches. he got a lot of contacts and whatever. But I feel, I feel pretty confident in saying – that any sourcing that Neil has on his reporting is coming from places other than Ole Miss. 
It's coming from the and, agent community. It's coming from contacts on the Auburn side of things. It's coming from other contacts. Say he would have good Auburn contacts all the years yeah. he... Yeah. All the years he worked in Mobile. And, and that's not to say that Neil doesn't have a ton of contacts w- within the Ole Miss community as well, but I don't think people at Ole Miss are talking right now. I don't think they've gotten to the point yet where whoever's got to sign off on whatever the number is for Lane Kiffin to stay, like they haven't had to have that conversation yet. I do so know I'll the people you. who kind of control the purse strings at Ole Miss are committed to doing everything they possibly can to keep Lane Kiffin. So then I'll ask you, Richard, Ole mm-hmm. Miss reporter, when we get to early signing day, is Lane Kiffin still the head coach at Ole Miss? As you sit here today, I know if you get new information, you can change your mind. But on eleven fourteen, what is your your thought? My gut is that when it all shakes out, he is at Ole Miss. But what I don't know is what Auburn is going to offer. Right, and how desperate are they to make the deal? I I mean, I go back. I mean, kind of. Kind of the Gotta number. feel they're desperate, Richard. Uh, uh, no, I understand that. But twelve and a half million a year, fully guaranteed for eight years? Are they doing that? I mean the the number that I have in my head that's like, you know what, he probably goes if it's eight for a hundred fully guaranteed. That's twelve and a half million a year with incentives on top of that. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Middays with Gerard Gibbert, good things, and the Super Talk Eagle Hour will be in Columbia on Friday for the annual Columbia Christmas Festival. Preparations are underway to kick off the spectacular festival, and Super Talk Mississippi will be in downtown Columbia with all the details. Be sure to check that out coming up on Friday. Also, during National Family Caregivers Month, be sure to visit aarp.org slash ms or the AARP Mississippi Facebook page to find info and resources to help you in your caregiving journey. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, a lot of action, as you would expect, on the ceasefire text line. Robin Houston says the state of Mississippi will be at a disadvantage until the four-year contract restriction is revised. You know, that's. I think there are two very real sides to that. Does that prevent you from doing a big eight-year, $80 million contract for a football coach? Yeah, it does. Does it also prevent you from doing an eight-year, $80 million football contract? Yes, it does. I realize I just said the same thing twice. That could be both a good thing and a bad thing, and we don't have to look far to find examples. There are some workarounds also through foundations and and whatnot, but uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if number of years is even the issue, generally speaking. Anyway, I mean, how how much have we talked about that, or have you talked about that, and extend beyond your media career, where 
this state lost a coach because of the contract limit. How how much has that actually happened? I, this is a unique case because I don't know that it's ever happened. Ole Miss has a coach that basically everybody wants to coach their team. Fans, anyway. I mean, LSU could have gone after him. They chose Brian Kelly instead. But fans love Lane Kiffin for a reason. And it's not just Twitter. It's the teams are good. This is a unique case, honestly. I mean, this is even more. I mean, State went through this, you know, with Mullen, but this is more than that. I feel like Mullen probably had the most buy in he ever had at the end of year two. And there were a lot of rumors about him going out, but nothing ever really materialized as serious as what seems to be materializing right now. And then by the time you got to year like five, six, seven, eight, you were just kind of, you know. It was just part of the gig, right? It feels like if Ole Miss could survive year two, they could be in that situation where they look up and he's just been there six, seven years. 2020, there was nothing. After last season, obviously there was there was stuff there. I mean, I think it's fair to say in hindsight that Lane Kiffin wanted the LSU job and he didn't get it. And there are very, very few, if any, college football coaches in America that wouldn't want the LSU job. Yeah. Especially when it's ninety million or ninety five million over ten years and like eighty yeah. percent of the contracts guaranteed. The money and the resources and the talent base, all those things. Sure. You know, the Miami thing, it depends on who you ask. There are a lot of people that say yes. Lane Kiffin wanted the Miami job. It never really got there. There were certainly people from in and around Miami that wanted Lane Kiffin, but I don't know that the people that were actually doing the hiring wanted to go that direction. And no, they never did. They they weren't firing Diaz had Cristobal not told them he was coming. Remember that saga? Yeah. 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 But Lane Kiffin got a hefty raise out of that, one that he deserved. So Chase asks uh, an interesting question. He said, when Keith Carter comes up with his number, how many more times can he do this? Because you know Jimmy Sexton's going to be on the phone every November to do this all over again. I mean, it's a reasonable question. How many times? How many times did Mississippi State do it? Did it every offseason, it seemed. But the numbers were in a different scale than they are now. No doubt. No doubt. But the numbers, the, then, the income well, is also were. yeah the the income yeah. is also at a different scale as well. Um, yeah, and we, you we have some game changing like contracts for sure. You haven't. That, that's the thing here. It's I've kind of I, I Ole Miss has a financial ceiling that I think is lower than Auburn's, but it's really high, a lot higher than a lot of people that cover this sport claim to cover this sport think that it is. It's much higher than people think that it is, but they do have a ceiling. I've gotten to the point where if I was advising Keith Carter, and I'm probably not smart enough to be on his advisement team, but I would tell him, if you have to be fiscally irresponsible to keep Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, then do it. Then do it. Because there there has... I've only lived in this state for 12, going on 13 years. So I haven't seen the totality of it, but I have seen people that that have worked at both schools 
and I've heard it from fans, and fans still have the mentality, that when they had the jobs here, they didn't think that they could win. Or they didn't have what it took to be able to win at the highest level. No offense to Matt Luke, or Ed Orgeron, or David Cutcliffe. They didn't have what it took to take Ole Miss to another tier. Lane Kiffin does. He's got offense. He's got appeal. He's got recruiting prowess, the ability to hire staff. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. They're favored in Fayetteville. They'll be favored in the Egg Bowl. They are favored to win 10 games after they lost both coordinators, a quarterback, all three running backs, three wide receivers, two linebackers, a defensive end that is killing it in the NFL right now, an NFL cornerback, and a safety. And they are favored to win 10 games again. You at Ole Miss have a coach that actually thinks he can win at Ole Miss. Now, he might leave because it's easier somewhere else, but listen to him when he talks. He actually thinks it can happen where he is, and he's proving that it can. Your fan base has not been engaged like this in quite some time. In an era of the sport that should be detrimental to you, the NIL era, right, where where a small state population-wise, no big city center, smaller alumni bases, not many billionaires running around here. And despite that, Ole Miss is recruiting. They're getting players. They're fun. They have national attention. Don't let it slip. If you have to be financially irresponsible, it's worth the risk. You may end up Texas A&M, but you can't give 10 years anyway. But do whatever it takes. If Auburn gives him an offer and he goes back to to Keith and says, I don't want to go, but I have to if I don't get this, this, and this, do whatever you can to give him this, this, and this. The iron is hot. you got to strike. You have got to strike. See, see, here's the the other thing that I think you have to look at if you're Ole Miss. The team that Ole Miss. Now, now I know the schedule is more difficult when you you pick up Georgia and you play in Tuscaloosa and you play in Starkville and you play in Auburn next year. Ooh. I understand that, but the team that he will have coming back next season, and, and they're going to have to play in yeah, good recruiting class. You have to plug some plug some holes in the transfer portal. I mean, that's the case. There, there certainly are areas where they will need to get better and need to add players. But the core that he will have coming back next year on this Ole Miss team makes next year's team look like a group that'll be in it to win nine or ten games. It'll be the most hyped Ole Miss team since I've lived here. Hype. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if you were Ole Miss, I think you're looking at two things here, right? I mean, the, the landscape of college football has completely changed. So not only are you looking at, okay, if, if Lane Kiffin leaves, you're going to have to replace a head coach. What does that do to your recruiting class? And I know you don't make coaching decisions based on the next year's recruiting class but I think you have to look at that more different, uh, a little bit differently than you have in the past because you also have to look at what you could potentially lose in the transfer portal and how quickly you've got to do everything to get it all done. Hey, Dad, I know that's something that, that you've talked about with, you know, I've heard on your podcast before where you talk about, okay, if you make a decision. You know, 
after the Egg Bowl and you're 10 days or 15 days away from the early signing period, you know, as it, you, you were talking specifically about Mississippi State, you're like, well, hold on, you got to hire an AD, right. and then an AD is going to make a, 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 a football change, and then a week from then you're at National Signing Day, and it's just a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Well, with the transfer portal window opening, there are all of a sudden a lot of moving parts. And and so it could certainly change the dynamic of what Ole Miss football looks like overall. Yeah. The timing of this is so interesting. Like if this was happening next week, it wouldn't be as surprising. To happen two weeks to go with two games to go, both of which are huge games and could put you know the difference between Ole Miss going to the Orange Bowl or, or something like that versus going to the Outback Bowl. It's surprising. I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm just surprised by the timing of it. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. I got a message from a buddy of mine who's listening. He's like, "If you're an Ole Miss fan and you haven't joined the Grove Collective, <laughs> then you deserve to see your coach go to Auburn." He's a big proponent of get on board on the NIL train, and rightfully so. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Do you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi, one last time with you. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Go to the events page and see all the things that are coming up, including Holly Jolly Holidays. It gets started November 21st at 3 o'clock, the Community Pavilion on University Avenue, and it ends January 2nd. So the entire month of December, you've got Holly Jolly Holidays coming on, the ice skating rink, and all events will take place at the Old Armory Pavilion, now the Community Pavilion on uh, University Avenue, the corner of University Avenue and Bramlett Boulevard. You can find all the information online at visitoxfordms.com. Richard Cross. Brian, hey, Dad, Michael Borky, thanks for being with us this afternoon. We'll get into the rest of the stuff that happened in the SEC this past weekend uh, tomorrow afternoon. Look forward to doing that and uh, a whole lot more as we turn the page. At Mississippi State this coming weekend has East Tennessee State. Hey, Dad, I'm curious what you think this week will be like for Mississippi State. Will they kind of back off and, and go light this week? Will they legitimately begin prep for Ole Miss? I always think back to uh, Moorhead's last year. And, you know, we went to the press conference on, on Monday, which started on time. And we uh, we asked him about, you know, and he's like, we asked him an Egg Bowl-related question. And he's like, no, no, this week our focus is totally on Abilene Christian. Totally on Abilene Christian. And then after the Abilene Christian game, he comes in and he's like, yeah, I lied to you guys. We've been talking about Ole Miss all week. And I think it's probably like that, right? You, you, you're you going to 
start your egg bowl prep, and you probably combine that with you want to get some young guys some reps in this game. At least you would like to think that. So I'm not sure, you know, how much game planning for this one is happening so much as let's just go out and do what we got to do, and uh, and it should be enough. The East Tennessee State Buccaneers, mm-hmm. that is the opponent this week, and if you are curious, East Tennessee State is 3-7. and seven. They have a win against Mars Hill, a win against Bob Morris, and a win at VMI. You see who they have a loss against at they home, have- too. They have lost at home to the Citadel, to Furman, yeah, Chattanooga, to Mercer, Paladin Strong, Paladin to Samford, to Wofford, and to Western Carolina. Wofford, who I believe fired their coach, still wasn't enough beating East Tennessee State. Wasn't enough to beat East Tennessee State. Yeah, four four straight losses for the East Tennessee State Buccaneers coming into Starkville on Saturday. I will tell you that on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, we have shifted our focus to the Egg Bowl. We will not be uh, doing a whole lot of prep and preview for the East Tennessee State game. Uh, probably, probably not mad at you for that. I, I can't imagine that anybody yeah. is. You going to come on uh, Thunder and Lightning live next uh, Wednesday? Uh, if I am invited, you are. Uh, this is the invite. Sure, love to. All right, there it is. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, you'll come on Thunder and Lightning podcast next week. Yes, absolutely. Done, do, done, and done. So I know do, Zach Arnett has a lot of prep to do. I, I wonder how much like egg bowl prep Mike Leach can do. It's offense. It's his offense, and it's what it is. And it's like it doesn't change based on opponent, does it? Nah, still got the card. We're good. Yeah. Art, I, I said this on Twitter, and people were like, "Oh, he gave up forty points." Arnett's a star. He's 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 objectively great thought, at scheming and calling defense. There has not been a single game in Mike Leach's tenure where I, I walked out saying, "No, oh, defense cost him that one." Yeah. What were you going to ask before Borky said that, uh, Richard? Uh, About having y'all on the show next week. No. Oh, do I have to stay in the studio, or can I leave and like do it by phone? You can leave. Next no Wednesday night's going to be a big work night. Yeah, no doubt. I got. I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Got got started today right. though. Went and uh, pulled the right. racks off the grill and had to take them to a uh, to, to Steve Fielder at uh, at Fielder's Welding. Getting new racks on the grill. Okay. Had, had kind of burned through right, the old good. expanded metal. So uh, getting that ready. Right. And buy some turkeys and uh, and make some plans. I got a lot. We got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to be done between now and uh, and then. A um, lot, lot of stuff on the uh, the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. We'll get to many of these messages tomorrow, and uh, it's going to be fun, right? I mean, here's the difference, though, right? Mississippi State's got East Tennessee State this week. Oh, this has Arkansas. At 6.30 We'll talk more about Ole Miss this week. Just brace yourself, State fans. It's not bias. It just is what it is. (laughs) There you go. Worst phrase in the English language, and yet so true. It's true. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.